What's up, Fail Nation? Before we get started on this amazing interview today, I just wanted to take a minute and remind you guys that if you are in the process of starting a business, if you're ready to get going and you need to license your company, which you do, take a minute to go to freedomtofail.betterlegal.com and there you can license your company, form an LLC for just $99. Normally, it would be $299 on Better Legal. So this is an amazing deal for you, and I just want to make sure that you guys can take advantage of it. Again, that's freedomtofail.betterlegal.com to license and register your company for just $99 today. Now let's jump into the interview. Everybody who overcomes a severe addiction to whatever, it's not what you're snorting, sniffing, shooting, using, drinking. That's not the problem. It's what hurts, what's broken. My underlying issue was my fear of failure. When I failed is when I was found on the brink of death in an abandoned basement of a home. What is up, everyone? I'm Kyle, and I am the host and founder of the Freedom to Fail podcast and Fail Nation, a community where failing while pursuing our dreams is a positive and taking uncertain chances is celebrated. This podcast is for those who have a dream of starting a business or doing something they've always dreamed of, but have been held back by their fears. Our purpose is to share the unsuccessful stories of successful people so that you can learn how to take the first steps towards achieving. Okay, so today on the show, we've got Danny Deaton with us. How are you doing, Danny? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. Just so you guys know, Danny is one of the best people that I've ever had the chance to get to know in my life. We met, ooh, what was it? Like the beginning of last year, I believe. Yeah. He's awesome. He's had a lot of success in business and just has been a really good mentor and a good friend to me and stuff. And so I'm really excited to jump in and talk a little bit about his backstory with you guys and just talk about what his experience with business and life has been. So a little bit of history for Danny. And he can jump in. You can jump in, Danny, anytime to add anything. If I remember right, you started in the insurance industry, right? Yeah. I mean, stemming back to when I was a kid, I used to hustle the little lawn mowing company. And I used to do like soliciting sales back in the day. We used to sneak in like to hospitals or offices and sell little trinkets like vibrating brushes and storybook boxes to nurses and realized that I was working for a company that was kind of a hustle. But ever since I was a kid, man, I did whatever it took. That's awesome. Yeah. Getting on the grind early. I mean, that's how I started too. And then after that, I know recently you've spent a good amount of time. You owned a couple of locations of Neaters and you just barely are starting a brand new business as well, which we'll jump into and talk about a little bit there. Suffice to say, you've definitely had a good amount of success in business. But obviously, that doesn't come free. You have to go through a lot of hard times and go through a lot of learning experiences to get to that point. So for you, just in general with your life, I want to talk about those now because on this show, we don't really care about what we've done successfully in the past. We care about what we've failed at and how we can learn from that and get better. So what would you consider to be your biggest mistake or your biggest failure? You know, that title, Freedom to Fail, it's beautiful. It's empowering. It's liberating. It's something that I wish I understood at a young age. Because real quickly, in a nutshell, I've dabbled in a lot of different things. I moved to Chicago and I did door-to-door sales. I graduated from college. I got into the insurance business. I've had a landscaping business. 
throughout my life, I've had lots of different opportunities and different sales companies and entrepreneur ideas. I was born and raised by a very successful entrepreneur who came from Carbon County Price, Utah with nothing in a coal mining town and built himself an empire. So I knew what hard work was all about. But the last 10 years where my life started to unfold and I turned 42 on Monday. So I'm kind of entering those years of wisdom, right? But the last 10 years when my life took full and really blossomed into something beautiful, it all stemmed from a failure that not only ruined my business and anything I had built in my career, but it it about took my life. A little bit of a little background on that is just I had a drug addiction that started as something more I would say harmless and lighthearted and Many may or may not relate to that, but it always starts somewhere. I had a functioning addiction for several years, but as I progressed in business and later down the road, my business progressed into some different things, but I had some inner demons that I never really dissected or figured out what was feeding them. And so I avoided all of that with numbing myself with different pain pills and any other substances that I could so I could continue progressing in life, but I wouldn't have to feel. So my ultimate failure in life was to myself and not taking the initiative or not taking, I guess, a proactive approach to really figure out who I was, figure out how to be comfortable in my skin and how to be happy with who I am without comparing myself to everyone and everything else. Hopefully that doesn't really distract from where we're trying to go here in this conversation. But when I failed is when I was found on the brink of death in an abandoned basement of a home. I actually created a story on on a website recently that kind of shows that story in a quick little eight-minute film. But I had actually gone from serving an LDS mission. I was an Eagle Scout. I had graduated from college. I had played every sport. I played the piano. I accomplished a lot of things and started an insurance business. But my failure wiped all of that away and left me on death's doorsteps. That failure, however, became the greatest blessing and also the greatest accelerator of my life because that failure took everything away from me and left me broken to where I had to become humble and I had to learn how to live again. And by doing so, eventually when I started putting the pieces of life back together, I remembered all those things I had been taught as a kid and growing up and they all came back together to help fuel me forward. But that failure is what catapulted me forward in life, made me realize what was important and what I really wanted. That's what kind of led me down the road of the last 10 years. So I've now been clean and sober for 12 and a half years. And I'm pretty confident in the last 10 years, the amount of hustle and hard work I put in is probably more than I would have put in had I not gone through that as a normal person might have put in in 30 or 40 years because I didn't take life for granted. I didn't take a single day for granted. I used that failure in my life to help me find a drive that I never had before. I think that's incredible. That story that you were talking about, I'm going to put a link to it in the description on this episode, but it's just on his website and it's amazing. It's one of the most powerful videos that I've ever seen, just you talking about your life there. And you touched on the point that you said at that moment when you were just laying in that basement, you had lost everything. Walk us through what some of those emotions were that you were having in that case. When you know laying right there that you've literally lost your entire life or everything that you knew up until that point and that it was basically all gone, what were some of the feelings and the thoughts that you had going through your mind? 
you know, it's hard to talk about it. And I don't want this to become a little emotional episode, but complete hopelessness. I mean, the feeling of failure in the darkest sense. I, I think in those last moments where before I surrendered and before I, I decided to fight for my life, it was truly to give you a raw feeling. It would be, I never actually verbalized the desire to take my own life to anyone else or myself because I was too big of a pussy for sake of better words. Mm -hmm. But I was finding it a hard time to breathe because there was nothing to breathe for. There was nothing to breathe about. There was no reason for me to eat, to be alive. I had compiled so much wreckage on top of me that it was a feeling of just hopelessness. But then there was a small occurrence, a change, and hopefully people that are listening can watch that video, but by some really divine intervention, so to speak, or a great miracle, so to speak, or some incredible luck, however you want to call it, I I was found by my brother and my father. And I had that moment where I decided, am I going to give up? Is this it? Or am I going to go fight for everything that I wanted and dreamed of as a boy? And I decided to fight. Once I started fighting and and I, I got out of my own way and I got healthy. And of course, there's an entire story about my recovery that, re- that included a lot of intense therapy and help and clinical help and one thing after another to keep me moving forward. It just kind of helped prepare me for that stage of life. And, you know, I kept fighting and crawling and pretty soon it, one door opened up after another. And it's, a, it's incredible when someone really fails and they face that failure. When they turn that switch, they have like a like a gas pedal that most people don't. <laughs> and they can just floor that pedal past the majority of the world because that failure can end up becoming their biggest, greatest strength. So I picked my life up. If you want to know the reality, I walked out of a jail cell within a few weeks, got a job at a company where a guy hired me for minimum wage, $8 an hour as a contractor doing cold calls. I was in a cubicle that wasn't even fully assembled. It's a long story how I got the job, but A year later, I was one of the entire directors of his sales force for a company here, a very successful company. And I was traveling around to trade shows and different conventions with the owner of the company, landed some of the biggest deals for the company. And what that did was solidified myself with this person who later had another opportunity to go and open a whole bunch of restaurants. Well, flash forward 10 years, 52 restaurants he had opened on his own generating at the beginning a million dollars a year. Towards the end, the company was doing a million dollars a week. And I was the first person that he ventured out into that field with. So I got into the restaurant world, which in its own for anyone listening is, is the, is it okay to explain that franchise model? Yes, for sure. You know, people say, what are some of your frustrations in business? Well, that one's, it's the yin and yang because there are advantages to a franchise. So I spent the last 10 years in the restaurant world in a franchise. And I remember one day going, wow, I I have now borrowed millions of dollars, signed on loans for millions of dollars for these restaurants, yet I still have a boss. Someone who tells me what to do, critiques me, babysitting me, so to speak, which is your franchisor. And you have to do things their way. You have to be open when they're open. So I remember even one day laughing on my way home going, man, I'm like $3 million in debt in this these businesses. And they're telling me how I have to have my facial hair. <laughs> but with that said, it's so hard these days to go and start your own. 
if we were going to open Kyle and Danny's burger barn, there's some great obstacles. One, a roadmap of how to do it. What are your margins? Where are you supposed to be? Two is our purchasing power. Any vendor that we're going to purchase product from, whether it be paper cups or lettuce or tomato or meat, our cost is going to be exponentially higher than those that are part of a group with purchasing power. And then three is brand recognition. It's hard to spend money when we're, we haven't made money yet to build our brand and build that recognition. So by doing a franchise, you get the roadmap. They give you a proven roadmap. They also give you purchasing power. Your costs are lower. And of course, everyone contributes to brand recognition. A little percent from each store helps grow the overall brand name. But there are frustrations in both. So I learned a lot. I wish I could have been my own boss and determined my own fate and destiny. But we all know how extremely hard that can be. Anyway, where I'm at today is there was a recent merge of two companies that gave me an opportunity to step away, to pursue something else. And today, 12 years later, I'm trying to help individuals and families navigate their way through the insanity when addiction to substances or alcohol or whatever other addiction they have are ravaging their home. For me, one of the most inspirational things about it is just how you've come full circle with everything. You go from 12 years ago being at your absolute lowest point, not having anything to live for at all. And I know that I've had those that feeling many, many times, especially going through my divorce after that happened. I had that over and over and over where I would wake up and be like, okay, do I literally have to get out of bed today? Is there anything yeah. motivating me to do that? And I didn't. And so there were days where I would just stay in bed all day because I didn't have that drive and that motivation to really look forward into the future because all I saw was my failure. And all I saw was, oh, this happened to me. I had a failure, therefore I am a failure. But in reality, I should have looked at it as a lesson for what I can do to get better and to move forward there. Because we talk about this all the time on the podcast. Failures are really, they're make or break it. You either will give up completely or else like what you said, you will take that failure and turn it into the biggest driving force. Because I firmly believe that those people who have achieved extreme success have only done that because they've also felt extreme failure there. So it's really cool how you were able to take that extreme failure just literally on death's doorstep and turn that into something where 12 years later, you're a part of something that does millions of dollars in revenue that you were able to have a very successful exit and now be able to go and have enough of a comfortable life where you can now go full circle and help other people who are in the same situation that you are. What were some of the biggest lessons that you learned growing your company with growing and working in a franchise model? Humility, drive, and dedication. I think it's such a common thing these days where people are so concerned and so worried about what everyone thinks, how everyone else feels, that they're constantly trying to please what they think people want. Well, one of the best things about my failure in life is it just took all that away. I, I was like, I could care less what anyone thinks or says. Yeah. I have one, one focus. It's to rebuild my life and to get back everything I lost. But I think surrounding yourself with people who you want to be like, people who emulate what you want and who you want to become. 
and to be very selective with that. It might not be, you know, if you're looking for someone who has the fanciest car, lives this certain side of sort of life in social media, that, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about who is it that you look up to and admire and surround yourself with them. Another thing it's common that you hear, but it's true, is asking for help and, and admitting when you don't know something and figuring out how to do it. For me, it was the desperation to do something and knowing what I was capable of and then recognizing where the void was of making that happen. For example, I had a partner. We both had different responsibilities. He had more of a financially sound background and portfolio. So when it went into getting these large loans or borrowing money or whatever it was, his expertise helped in that area. Mine was more on the front lines, the grind, the go-getter, managing people, personnel, operations. But coming together and utilizing each other's strengths, that was a big one. But I think truly, we all wish we could do something that we just loved and enjoyed. We also have to do something to provide food on the table for us and our families. But you can find a happy medium and do both. You know, one other one too that's strong, and I know that you live this, and I know there's other a few other people that do, but ultimately, you have to be willing 100% to do what other people are not. That's it. So easy to be like, oh, it's easy. Or so-and-so just made this or inherited this. Sure. There's always, there's always a couple of numb nuts that just inherited things luckily. But for every one of them, there's about 2 million others who didn't. So the people who seem like they have it all and they got it so easy, when you really get to know them, you're like, wow, that's where you came from? You know, so maybe not assuming that it's as easy as people think. We always see these rich people. I mean, you look at the Kardashians, everyone talks about, oh, they don't have anything. They haven't done anything themselves. They've inherited everything from their family. It's just all their family name and everything. But that is what's in the spotlight. But in reality, everybody else who has had a lot of success comes from the, it's basically the rags to riches story. America is full of all of those successful people who are living the American dream because they went out and they grinded and they did all that stuff. They found a mentor. They were willing to be humble and admit when they didn't know something and ask for help. They were able to really go and be on the front line day after day, putting in the hard work instead of taking a backseat and just hoping that things would work out there. One of my favorite quotes, this quote right here touches on the fact that everyone does things to please other people. And it was one of the quotes that changed my life after I heard about it. It's from one of my favorite authors and one of my favorite speakers of all time, Tim Ferriss. But he says, one of the most universal causes of self-doubt and depression is trying to impress people you don't like. (laughs) That hit me hard because all of the people that I were worried were going to judge me were not people I actually cared about associating with. They were not people I cared about interacting with and being friends with. They were just people who had what I thought a great influence. They had a lot of social power, so to speak. And I wanted to impress them so that I would be in the good graces, but I didn't care about what being friends with them or anything. And that's something that I feel like a lot of people worry about. We try and impress everyone else that we are in competition with, that we literally did not even care to be friends with there. And so that put a big break on my progress because I worried so much about that instead of worrying about what I can succeed on and 
I'm glad you shared that. And it truthfully, you know, I'm an open book and I hope people go watch my video because I lay it out. But everybody who overcomes a severe addiction to whatever, like when I, I mean severe, like life-threatening illness, what is necessary is finding out what is broken. It's not what you're snorting, sniffing, shooting, using, drinking. That's not the problem. It's what hurts, what's broken. So when they go to treatment, you try to figure that out and it's a process. Well, you hear stories about, oh, I was raped, neglected, molested, abused, million different circumstances. My underlying issue that took a year of clinical help to figure out was my fear of failure. My best friend, my father, other people that I grew up close to had achieved, when I say great success, I'm seeing grandioso success. And they came from the ashes, the dust of the earth. And I looked at life and almost thought, wow, it will be impossible for me to ever emulate that. So for forever, I put on this front, making sure everyone thought I was this, walked the talk, looked the part. So if there's anyone listening to this podcast that's in their younger age, it's exactly what we said. Stop worrying about what other people think. Figure out what you love, what you're passionate about, and put the pedal to the metal. That's truly all that matters. Because I turned 42 next week. My body's starting to slow down. I went wakeboarding twice this week and my body's just killing me. That's me too. And I'm 26. Yeah. My body's breaking, but my mind and my heart and my spirit are starting to get to that cool stage of maturity where I'm like, gosh, people are like, if you could go back in time and do things differently, what would you do? I made a million mistakes. I mean, you can go on my video and watch. I ended up in jail for hell's sake, but I tell them I only would have done two things different. I would have stopped caring what people think and I would have ate more food when my metabolism was cranking. <laughs> that was about it. But I'm like, you know, that's a beautiful part. So if you got that youth on your side, use it. Just take the part that comes later usually, which is your me- mental and your emotional strength and maturity. And just, you can really accelerate that now by just stop caring what people think, man. So do you have any practical suggestions on how to do that? What are some of the things that helped you stop caring what other people thought? Because for me, that was my biggest fear too. My family, my dad has this great job. All of my family comes from a line of just very, very stable, successful careers where they can provide for everything. So that was my biggest fear too, is that I wasn't going to be able to create something that would live up to those expectations. So what, what did you do to help you overcome those thoughts or feelings? First of all, you have to learn to love yourself. And if that hurts, if that's scary, it is an absolute must because that also requires getting to know who you are. Not looking in the mirror to see how, you're, how well your fade is or your beard's trimmed. I mean, looking in the mirror and seeing your soul. For myself and a lot of people, that was done by knowing, getting to know myself through my God, that helped. And also through the closest people that I surrounded myself with. I truly believe that you take the five people that you are closest with who know your heart and soul, and that's who you'll become. So if you're not surrounding yourself with people who make you feel good or helping you tap into what's really true, move on. If it's a relationship you're in, if it's friends that you're with, if they don't make you feel comfortable make you feel your true essence, move on. Because sometimes, in my opinion, God puts people in our life to help us heal, to help us become stronger and better. But if they're not the right people, wasting your time. Yes. For me, going along with that, 
I sold myself short on what I deserved because I didn't feel like I deserved to have success. Yeah, that's true. I kept justifying that, oh, I'm not good enough. Therefore, this is what I deserve in life. I deserve to be treated this way. I deserve la-di-da-di-da, whatever happened to me. I just took it because I was like, I'm not worth anything more. And that is the biggest bunch of bullcrap that exists. And it comes from within. Well, it's a strong feeling that you had though. And it becomes a reality, right? But when you say it out loud, it sounds ridiculous. Yeah. And that happens with anybody. So I forgot earlier, one of my biggest things that helped when I healed in life, other than the mental, physical, spiritual aspects, like just common practice was, I believe it's our secrets that keep us sick. Yes. Whatever that secret is, if it's your depression, if you feel inadequate, if you feel like you don't deserve something, if you feel less than, if you feel tainted, if you feel whatever it is, those feelings stay inside and you don't talk about them then it creates this reality, which is absurd. And yeah. in your mind, somehow you believe it. Well, then all of a sudden you vocalize it or years down the road, you say it out loud and you're like, what in the world? But the problem is people don't say it. They don't express it. They don't share it with a professional or someone that loves them. And it just becomes this fire and it turns inside. That is a hundred percent true. Because for me, the thing that was the issue, and I haven't even actually talked about it on this podcast which goes along with that. But in my life, I've struggled at times with pornography and especially in Utah with Utah Valley and everything. That is probably one of the biggest secrets that if people would just talk about would just instantly go away. Yep. I struggled with that for a long, long time because I wouldn't talk about it with anybody. And then because I felt guilty about looking at pornography, then I would justify and say, okay, well, I'm not worth this. I'm not worth this because I made a mistake and all this stuff. And so I would constantly belittle myself, which in turn would make me go and look at pornography for an outlet, which in turn would make me belittle myself. And it was just this horrible spiral. And then finally, what happened was I started talking about it. And I was just like, you know what? I'm sick of this. I'm done dealing with this and having this in my life. And so I started talking about it. I I started going to a counselor and talking and just opening up and talking to pretty much anyone and everyone that I was really close with at the time. And as soon as I started talking about it... Took its power away. Exactly. And so that's the case with everything. We all have something inside that we are hesitant to talk about and to tell someone else because we're worried that they're going to judge us and look down on us with that. But if that's the case, and if that's what you are going through right now, that is 100% the thing that you need to talk about. Because if you don't... Nothing else matters. That is the one thing there that I would say to anyone out there listening, if you have something like that that you're struggling with, talk about it. Get out there and literally tell someone that you care about or that needs to hear it. Just tell it to them. Because number one, you are going to feel much better. And number two, if... Most of the time, we don't do it because we're afraid that they're going to leave. But if they leave and if they don't accept us for what goes on in our past or for whatever is happening, then that's okay. You don't deserve that anyway. And we all deserve to work towards our best self. Like This whole podcast is about overcoming those weaknesses to become our best self. And I can honestly say that literally I am night and day different than where I was six months ago, just right after my divorce, because I talk about anything and everything with everybody now. And I just have literally no filter. And it makes me have the most confidence that I've ever had. And it makes me just be able to go out and get things done to a level that 
I have never experienced before to this point. It keeps you healthy. You stay healthy when you do that. So people just remember, it's your secret that keeps you sick. I love that phrase. Really quick, just to wrap up here in the next few minutes, I want to jump into our lightning round and just ask you a few quick questions and just hear what you have to say about them there. So you can just answer with what comes to your mind really quickly. So the first one is, what in your life is your biggest fear? Okay, what has become my biggest fear recently is getting old, having to like get to a stage in life where someone has to feed you and wipe your butt. But the other one, a more realistic fear of just life, I always have the fear of disappointing those that I love. I always do. But I recognize it. I talk about it. And I don't make it turn into some false reality. I think that's something that most of us deal with, but we don't talk about it. So I appreciate you sharing that because for me, like I mentioned, that was my biggest fear. And it still is to this day is not being able to live up to these expectations that I have that I feel that people have for me. So I appreciate you sharing that. The next one, it kind of goes along with that and just about this topic of failure. So what would you consider to be your definition of failure? Definition of failure would be allowing others' influences to mold your life rather than living your life. Write that down. Take notes. Listen to that again. I think that right there is extremely powerful. I honestly have nothing else to add to that because that's just amazing. The next question that I have is, you have obviously gone through a lot of failures, but you've obviously also seen a good amount of success in your life. So what is one habit that you have that has helped contribute to your success? Consistency. Relentless consistency. Of course, we all have vacation. That's what it is. Vacation is to segue out of that and to go and and relish in things. But for me to be relentless is consistency. And so it's awaking early, accomplishing a lot early. I do the same systematic approach to life. When I got my head down, I'm just very consistent at what I do, whether that's just showing up whether that's being a dad, whether that's getting to work, it's just being consistent. How do you develop consistency? Uh, routine. The routine, my body functions well. It's almost like I tame it. It knows what it's supposed to do. I mean, quite frankly, even if it's just going to the bathroom at the same time of day, my body knows that it's that time of day or it's sleeping or it's exercising or it's eating, fueling my body or it's uh, meditating or working. It's just routine and consistency just turns my body into a machine. Awesome. I appreciate that. The next one is, so what is the best piece of advice that you either you have ever received or that you would give to our listeners? To enjoy the journey. That one is easy. It comes from my father. Um, again, he came from a coal mining town down in Carbon County, Utah. He's had an insane amount of success. And I once watched him speak to a group of entrepreneurs. He took a stack of money. He tore it in half, threw it in the air. And he said, this stuff comes and goes. It will never buy happiness. You find joy by enjoying the journey. From your failures to your success, you enjoy everything along the way. So that's my key to life is I enjoy my journey, not the other journey people put you on, but enjoy your journey. That's a really good point because too often I feel that people have money as the end goal and they think that happiness is going to come with it. But in reality, money is a Band-Aid. It doesn't yep. give you anything. It just causes temporary satisfaction. So you should find something. You mentioned this earlier, but find something that you love and do that and do it well. And then money will come along the way as well. It'll come. I love that. And then the last one that I have in this lightning round is, what is your favorite book 
and a book that you would recommend to our listeners? And why would you recommend that book? Oh, so this one might be a different answer than one would think, but your own. And what I mean by that is whenever something great in life happens, whether, okay, of course, there's old school like scrapbooking and journaling. I find whatever it is, whether it's on paper, on your phone, in a voice memo, when you are inspired by anything, something someone says, an experience you had in life, a thought that came to you, a dream that you had, a prayer that you had in your heart, whatever, you write it down. That way it's not overwhelming like a four-foot book that you're going to never go read, but just your own book of thoughts and inspiration. And I refer to it once in a while, and I remind myself of little tidbits that I was given of inspiration, and I had forgot because our mind tends to do that. So your own book of thoughts, I would say. That's amazing. I hadn't thought about it exactly in that way, but I do something similar. I have a note on my phone that I call great thoughts. And it's just anything that I've heard, any quotes or anything that has really impressed me in my life. And I'll make a note of that. Yeah, go read it. Yeah. And it helps me a ton to stay motivated, but motivation comes and goes. So that's not the end goal. But what it really does is it helps me internalize those thoughts and that form of thinking to really make it a habit so that it's something that I experience day in and day out, not just fleeting. So I think that's a great piece of advice. Just to end now, obviously, I appreciate you spending time and just taking time to tell us your story and share your thoughts about all these things. What can we expect from you moving forward? What are you working on right now? Can you just kind of describe a little bit more about what your new business is and where our listeners can connect with you if they have any questions for you about what you do or anything like that? Please. I have recently, on the last year, started my own private practice. After 10 years in the restaurant world, I moved on to something different. It's a drug and alcohol intervention business. A lot of it is really just helping as a consultant and a friend, but the word we're familiar with is intervention. So the website is your, Y-O-U-R, livingproof.com. On Instagram, it's the same thing, your living proof. Basically, just using my story and what I've been through as an example of, you know, to someone of what your living proof is to overcome your greatest failures, greatest addictions. And people can check it out, please. On there, it just talks about what we do. What we really do is I work hand in hand with families to assess the needs, make a plan, and give a roadmap to not only the addict or alcoholic in their family, but the family in general of how to get healthy and overcome this terrible disease that's ravaging their family. So yourlivingproof.com and yourlivingproof on Instagram, please reach out. Anyone you know who's suffering or needs help, send them that way. I would love to do what I can to help. And I highly recommend Danny. This isn't just me throwing this out there because he's a guest on my show, but I've literally known him personally for a year and a half, almost two years now. And he is one of the most amazing human beings ever. He's got the best little family and he is extremely driven and motivated by helping other people. And for me, that's one of the keys that I look for in who I associate with. And so I have nothing but high praise for Danny. And I know that if you reach out to him, he will treat you like his own family because he's done that for me. And I just clean his windows. That's all it is. And yeah, I still feel like we are really good friends and that we've gotten to know each other a lot. So I, again, I appreciate you being on the show and taking the time. And I hope that you have a great weekend, Danny. Thanks again. Yeah, you too. You're a stud. Everyone listen, and you're lucky to have someone like this. 
This is a great cause. This is a great subject. This is such a great platform in life to talk about. It's empowering. So we love you like family over here, Kyle. You guys have a good weekend. Awesome. Thanks. Take care.